if you skip this step, it's highly unlikely that you're gonna experience business success. So in today's episode, I'm gonna show you seven guaranteed ways for you to find a lucrative online business niche. Business niche. Step number one is start number two, number three, number four, five. You don't have to waste so much of your time building a business that is ultimately set up to fail. The best proof of concept is when someone actually is willingly spending their money to get that thing, even if it's really cheap. Everyone that you look up to, everyone who's ever succeeded has failed many, many, many times. You're actually in good company and welcome to the club of entrepreneurship. Now let's dive in. Welcome to Daring Forward, where we feature ordinary women doing extraordinary things and learn practical lessons and action steps to help you live courageously. I'm your host, Sahar Twesajay. Now, if you're ready, let's dare forward. Many aspiring entrepreneurs, myself included when I started out, approach starting a business like this. You come up with a brilliant business idea. You ask a few friends and some family about your idea. They encourage you, they validate your idea. You buy the domain and then you launch. The problem with launching that way is that you end up missing a huge piece of running or starting a successful business, which I would say accounts for at least 50% of your business success. And that is finding a profitable niche, right? So it's all about doing the market research. You cannot get away from it. If you skip this step, it's highly unlikely that you're going to experience a business success. So in today's episode, I'm going to show you seven guaranteed ways for you to find a lucrative online business niche so that that way you don't have to waste so much of your time and resources building a business that is ultimately set up to fail. If you're new around here, hi, I'm Sahar Twesajay. I'm a digital marketer and entrepreneur, and I help aspiring and creative entrepreneurs find the courage to pursue their purpose profitably. Now, if you want to hear more content like this, or if you want to see more of it on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel or subscribe to the podcast. Make sure that you like this episode if you can and subscribe to the notifications so that you are notified every time we release a new episode. Now let's dive in. Step number one is start with who you're helping or at least have some sort of idea or hypothesis as to who you're going to help. And try to be specific as to whether you're going to help solve a problem that a person or a group of people have or help meet a need or desire that a group of people want. For example, you want to help women be healthy. How? Is it going to be through blogging and writing informative articles? Are you going to prepare meal plans? Are you going to maybe set up a subscription service or um, you know, create some supplements? So there's so many different ways that you can help women be healthy. And also think about the individuals or the group of people as well and try to be crystal clear about who that person is. So are they women who are mothers or are they working professionals? Are they Gen Z or millennials? What income bracket do they have and where do they live? These are all things that will help you clarify who that individual is. The more clarity you have on who it is that you're helping, the better you can craft your offer and a business around them. Step number two is start with keywords. And in all honesty, you could also start here if you think it's easier to approach a problem and then find the group of people around that. So step one and two, they're interchangeable. It doesn't matter what order you do it in, as long as you start with either one. 
Now, the reason why keywords are important is because it represents what people are looking for. People are also searching for learning how to do things. They're researching to buy as well. And some of the best places to do that are Google, obviously. YouTube's a great place. Pinterest is also a visual search engine. And you also have websites like answerthepublic.com where you can put in one keyword and then it generates a whole bunch of different keywords based on how people phrase questions around that one specific keyword. So I can't recommend using these resources enough. Now, one thing I will say about keywords and search engine optimization is that there is a bit of an art to it. It's not just a matter of putting in the keywords and seeing what the results are. Sometimes you'll find that the way you approach a particular word or how it's phrased is actually very different to how your audience or potential customers would phrase it. And so if you don't figure out how your audience is phrasing it, you might end up missing a huge opportunity because then you're, you won't be able to reach them through those keywords. So for example, I had a client who came to me for Pinterest advertising services, which is what we provide with our agency. And so one of the things that they wanted to launch was they had a book proposal that they wanted to sell. And so I put on my research hat, I went into to Pinterest to look for you know, different keywords to kind of basically see if there is a market for the book proposal on Pinterest. What became apparent to me was that the audience on Pinterest weren't looking for book proposal as a phrase, they were actually looking for writing templates. And so had I not done that research, we would have just easily started ads, put book proposal in there, they would have tanked and crashed. And then it's very easy to come to the conclusion and say, there's no market for it here on Pinterest when that isn't actually the case. So you want to pay attention to how people are phrasing things. Step number three are online communities. Now this is where it starts to get really, really fun. Now, some of the two best places for you to go check out, and there's a ton of online communities you can go and explore, but one of, a couple of the biggest ones are Facebook groups and Reddit as well, reddit.com. Now, the great thing about researching these online communities is that it stops your idea being just an idea and a concept, and you actually start seeing how people are phrasing and saying things as well in real time. And you wanna pay attention to the kind of questions that people are asking based on your industry or the market that you want to tap into. So you can easily go on Facebook or, or Reddit and research, try to put down those words and see if there's any groups or discussions around that specific topic. You wanna to join those groups or look at those threads and then just pay attention to the questions people are asking. I also wanna say that, especially on Facebook groups, it's very important that you respect the group rules. A ton of people don't like it when people just go in there, don't add any value and try to sell, okay? So pay attention to the group rules, respect the rules, and kudos to you if you start adding value within that group as well. That's gonna really come in handy for another step that I'm gonna talk about later down in this episode. So pay attention to that. Adding value can simply be just adding some tips or helping being part of, part of the community so you can help answer other people's questions that they have. You know, just be an active member of the community so people kind of start to pay attention to who you are and know that you're someone that adds value to the group. That is very, very helpful, although it can be time consuming, but it will be worth it, I promise. Step number four is taking it to the macro level, and that is simply to just pay attention to growing markets and industries. A lot of businesses being successful is sometimes just you being somewhere where there's a ton of demand because the market is growing. So for example, a growing market could be, you know, social media marketing, digital marketing is forever growing and it's growing and growing. 
Whereas traditional forms of markets like, you know, advertising, say like television, newspapers, they are slowly declining, right, at the macro level. So you want to pay attention to those. And some of the best places for you to kind of do that research at that macro level is paying attention to the news, checking out the stock market, also Googling it yourself and researching. And something else that I found quite helpful are organizations that do market research and campaigns because they usually have a ton of data and they collate that data for you. Sometimes you do have to pay to get like those reports, but they're really, really a great place for you to check out. Step number five is research your competitors, although I don't like calling it that because it creates a sense of scarcity and competition when I genuinely believe that there's room for all of us. It's just how you approach it. The first thing you want to do is you want to do a bit of a SWOT analysis on everyone who's in your industry who's trying to do what you want to do. And SWOT stands for, you know, strengths, weaknesses, uh, opportunities, and threats, right? So After you've done that, you want to assess whether you can enter that market from a completely different angle so that you come across like you're doing something new and authentic. And that can be done in tons of different ways. And bonus points to you as well, if you can find a way to complement your competitors in the market. So let's consider you wanting to tap into, say, the skincare market. Now, there's loads of different ways you can approach it. You can come in selling a new product. You can sell a similar product that a ton of people are already doing, but your offer is completely different. Maybe rather than just selling it one-on-one, maybe you could create a subscription service around it that no one else is doing. You can, rather than sell a product, maybe provide a service that no one else is providing uh, that is unique. Maybe you can approach it as... You won't provide the service or the product, but maybe you'll help with the distribution of it because there's a gap there that people aren't doing it well. So there's a ton of different ways to solve a problem or help meet a need or help meet demand. You just have to spend some time really assessing what the problem is and then come up with a solution that actually helps solve that problem. Step number six is put out your minimum viable product And that could be either a a beta launch, so like a mini launch, a soft launch, or it could be a focus group with you providing maybe a discounted offer or you can offer your services for free. That totally depends on you. But this is where having added value in those communities, like I mentioned earlier, is going to come in handy. Because once you kind of build that value, you can then begin to ask and say, hey guys, I've got this service or product And I'm going to take the first 10 people, first 20 people, first five people at this discounted price to kind of test it out. Who wants to give it a try? And that is going to be absolute gold for you. This is where the rubber hits the road. And those first initial customers or clients of yours are really going to help you craft and fix any issues that you have with your business model or your offer, your product or your service. That feedback that you get from them is going to be invaluable. And the truth is the best feedback that you're going to get is actually from speaking to people one-on-one. And you can, you know, offer something for free to get them on the phone. Uh, You can give them a gift or you could get them on a Zoom call and actually ask them all the questions that you need to ask to get that clarity that you need. And a word of advice here as well, I personally would always prefer to launch something that people pay for because the best proof of concept is when someone actually is willingly spending their money to get that thing, even if it's really cheap. People who do things for free will have all these ideas about why they think your product or service may or may not work or how you can do things better. 
But really, the ones you, you really want to pay attention to are the ones who part with their money because that means what you have to offer actually works. Step number seven, which is the final part of this episode, is that just launch and iterate. This is by far the hardest part of the journey is the launching is actually moving away from ideating and researching. A lot of people can get stuck there, but actually taking that first step of action is really, really hard because we're so conditioned as a society to have people externally validate us, you know, with degrees or qualifications to say, yes, you're qualified to do this now, you can actually practice or take a step. Whereas with entrepreneurship, no one, no one does that for you. You, ha- you just have to believe in yourself enough to take the first step. You don't have to believe yourself for the whole journey. Um, I don't know anyone who does, especially if you're trying to do things that really help people and make an impact. So I just want to encourage you, don't overthink it. Don't stay stuck in analysis paralysis. Set a deadline. See if you can get accountability. Put it out there. Does not have to be perfect. It is okay if you make mistakes. It is okay if it fails and it doesn't work. You try again and you iterate. And whatever happens, I just want you to remember that you are not your performance and you are not your circumstances. Everyone that you look up to, everyone who's ever succeeded has failed many, many, many times, okay? So you're actually in good company and welcome to the club of entrepreneurship. So those are my seven different steps for crafting a lucrative online business niche for yourself. Let me know if you have found these helpful or if you've taken any of these steps before. I would love to hear from you, whether it's in the comments or if you shoot me a message on Instagram. I always love hearing from you guys. And by the way, if you want to learn more about how to avoid costly business mistakes as an aspiring entrepreneur, I want to encourage you to watch my episode on 10 cringeworthy lessons that I learned from starting an online business. I'm going to make sure that that's going to be linked in the show notes or in the comment box below. Thanks for tuning in today. All the resources mentioned in the show are linked below if you're watching on YouTube and linked in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then I want to invite you to help us spread our message by choosing one of four ways. One, subscribe to the YouTube channel or the podcast. Two, leave a review if you're listening to the podcast. It really helps. Three, let me know in the comments below what the key takeaways were for you in today's episode. And four, share this episode with one friend who could use a little bit of courage today. And if you want to binge our episodes, may I suggest you watch this episode right here if you're watching on YouTube. That's it. Until next time, don't forget to live courageously and dare forward. <laughs>